You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about ways we've changed and ways we haven't. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Abby? The chicks are here. Yay! (laughs) They arrived yesterday. We lost one in the night. So now we have five. Mm, Okay. Which is the original number that I ordered back in May. Mm Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we can just keep on keeping on with them living and growing as they are meant to do. Mm -hmm. They are really cute. The kids love them. The cats also love them, which I'm not Mm. sure that's such a good idea, but Mm -hmm. we've been keeping good separation. Perfect. (laughs) And I'm excited to have eggs in six months. (laughs) I'm excited to virtually watch them grow up. What's new with you, friend? I spent a bunch of money this week on a new planner, and I feel great about it. (laughs) I think I saw a meme sometime last year, maybe by Austin Channing Brown, talking about how much she was enjoying looking through planners and imagining that she was going to use them for the whole year, something along those lines. I'll try and find it. And I thought, oh, yes, that is me. (laughs) I love it. And I'm just embracing it right now. I love imagining that 2021 is going to be a better year, a year in which I will use this planner to track gratitude, to write down memories of my kids, to keep track of my meditation practice, to not lose appointments, which I have been doing with alarming frequency since school started. It arrived just before this recording. I am showing Abby in our Skype window. Ooh, it's beautiful. I'm just embracing it right now. It brought me a lot of joy to order this, and it was money well spent. Why don't you tell what type of planner it is in case people want to be likewise inspired? Yes. This is the Hobonichi Planner, which I heard about from Sarah Hart Unger, who actually has her own planning podcast now, but I've heard about it just from her blog. It's a Japanese company, and they make beautiful planners. I actually got one for 2020 as well and used it fairly regularly until the pandemic. So that was a solid two and a half months before things (laughs) fell apart. And then I'm coming back to it again with my newfound planner inspiration. Nice. Now let's move into what we've been reading. What is your latest book? I just listened to Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. This is a novel about Lillian and Madison who met as roommates at an elite girls' boarding school in the South as teenagers and are now adults. Madison is rich, married to a senator, and living in a giant house in Tennessee, but she has a problem with her husband's two children from a previous marriage, and Lillian is basically her only friend, so she needs Lillian's help. Mm -hmm. Lillian's circumstances are less rosy, and so she goes there to Tennessee to help. And I'm not going to say anything else, because... Spoilers abound for this book, but I loved it. It was a fascinating story. I felt like there were just enough twists to keep me Mm -hmm. interested, but also it brought up all these really lovely and poignant things about children and parenting and what it means to share our lives with these children that we're with. Yes. Which I think is a good reminder because in the day to day, you can totally get bogged down in that life sharing, Mm -hmm. but it really is this big, profound thing. And I feel like this book encapsulated that in a really lovely way. Yes. I also thought the characters were great. 
They weren't always likable, but they were complex and they felt real. Mm-hmm. So I would absolutely recommend this. I will also say it is a great audiobook. It's the same reader as Beartown and Us Against You by Frederick Bachman. And I think the reader's name is Marin Ireland, but she is awesome. She is just great. Highly recommend that. I also just listened to this one, and I would say it's one of my favorite books I've read this year. Mm. I went into it, and what I'd heard about it, I thought, oh, okay, it's fine. It's for book club, and just loved it. I second your recommendation. Nice. What have you been reading, Sarah? I finished One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. It is about B, who is a fat fashion blogger slash Instagram personality. And she writes an essay bashing The Main Squeeze, which is the television show The Bachelor with a different name attached Mm. to it, and ends up through a series of events as its next star. Awesome. So she is the person with 25 men competing for her attention. It was pure fun. I don't think I've enjoyed a reading experience quite that much in a long time. I love the format that was each chapter was an episode of the show. Mm, Cool. I was really invested in the outcome and wanted to keep going to find out how it was going to play out. My biggest complaint about the novel is about the main character. And I think it speaks to how much I loved the format and concept that I still really liked the book in spite of this criticism. But B was incredibly insecure throughout most of the story, and that's really hard to read, that she had trouble believing that people would want to date her because of her size, and that wasn't the body acceptance message that I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. I do think it created that necessary arc of change, but I still think it could have been done in a different way that would have furthered the body positivity movement more. Now let's move into our topic for today. We thought it would be fun to look back on the ways that we've changed and have thought about it sort of since adolescence, young adulthood. What are the ways we've stayed the same and what are the ways that we have shifted in the way we think or do things? Abby, why don't you start us off with one of the ways that you've changed? I would say I am overall more in control of all of my emotions. Mm -hmm. And I credit therapy and Zoloft for that. I've talked a lot about both of those in the past on the pod, but my feelings have always felt really out of control to me. Like I would see myself screaming at a loved one and know that I was going to feel bad about it Mm -hmm. and was feeling bad about doing it in the actual moment and still not feel like I could stop. Yeah. And I think I still get to the point of treating loved ones poorly, but I am much better at catching myself before it goes too far. Mm -hmm. And I am much better at coming back from it when it does. And I feel really thankful for that. It is a really great way to feel. I think one thing that you and I have in common is all of the big feelings that we feel all the time. And It has also helped me to see you go through that process because I think I too have become better able to name what I'm feeling Mm -hmm. and put it in proper perspective Mm -hmm. than I was able to when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And that having that friend that you can say things to, here's what I'm feeling, and talking through that process has helped me get to a similar point. Nice. What's your first change you want to share, Sarah? I asked Neil for 
any ideas he had about ways that I've changed since I met him, since we met in early young adulthood. And he mentioned one that I hadn't even thought of. And then when he said it, I was like, ah, yes, that is accurate. (laughs) He was saying that when we first started dating, that I was wanting to talk about religion and spiritual things often. Mm. And that he saw that as a real contrast with him because that wasn't a topic that he was interested in exploring to the same degree that I was. Mm -hmm. And this was an interest of mine for many years. When I was in junior high and high school, I was very curious about different religions, different beliefs, and what that meant for the world. And my questions weren't welcomed in the youth group that I was in Mm. to the degree that I needed them to be. Mm. And it felt like I was questioning all of these things and everyone else was just there to eat pizza and not along with whatever was being said. Interesting. (laughs) Where I had this strong need to push back, which I think is one reason why I ended up being a religion major in college, Mm -hmm. because that need had not been met younger and I still needed time to explore that. And I do remember having lots of conversation in college about this and feeling much more connected to spirituality then Hmm. than I do right now. We started going to church a little over four years ago to a Unitarian Universalist church That has felt like a really good fit for both of us. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the perfect fit, but I think it's hard to ever find a religious community that is. But hearing Neil say that has just made me reflect on how that doesn't feel central to who I am as a person the way that it did when I was in my early 20s. And then also thinking about what kind of religious experiences are our kids going to have knowing how much that has changed for me. So fascinating. Still a lot to explore there. Mm -hmm. What's your next one? It's so interesting you talking about how much that need to dialogue about religion and spirituality was a part of you in your 20s, because this next one is one that I feel like was a huge part of me Mm -hmm. in my early 20s, even late 20s. But before I had kids... I was so much more interested in spending time with other people's children Mm -hmm. and to the point where I wished that I had become a kindergarten teacher or considered starting preschools, worked as a nanny a lot, and not just to have a job because that really felt life-giving to me. And now that I have my own young kids, I am really not interested in doing that kind of interacting with kids to that level. I love meeting my friends' kids. I love knowing them. I love interacting as a family. But for me now, the focus is more on supporting my own kids. And I just don't feel like I have space to connect with other people's kids in that same way. Mm. I'm really interested to see if as my kids get older and get more independent, if I will be excited Mm -hmm. about connecting with young kids in a similar way as I was before, and that this is just a season, mm-hmm. or if I've left that behind for good. Yeah, time will tell. My next one is the way I approach friendship and how I think that has changed. We've talked about various ways to view personality on this show, and one part of the Enneagram personality model that I have really connected with is that being an eight, you really don't like being vulnerable Mm. and opening up. 
That is very true. To the point where even people that I'm close with, it is hard for me to be presenting my emotions in a not processed way Mm. that feels, I don't know that there's a better word for it than it feels too vulnerable for me to be out there in that way. Mm. And so with friendships all through junior high, high school, I usually had one person that I was really close to and didn't want to open up or share a lot of thoughts with other people. I had lots of friends, but I kept a lot of things closely guarded, which looking back on it now, I see how much of a burden that placed on the person that I was close to, Hmm. to need to be that for me to a degree that most people aren't asking because that's often spread out among many people. And I think that combined with the fact that I don't think I had the needed perspective to just see I'm going to change, friends are going to change, circumstances are going to change, and you'll be close to some people for a few years and then drift apart and maybe you'll come back together or maybe you won't, but either way, that's okay. And held on much too tightly to relationships to the point of choking the life out of them rather than letting them have a natural end. Hmm. Now I think I can, one, understand ways to be vulnerable with people that works for my personality, but also keeps the relationship healthy. Mm -hmm. And I've moved enough times and had enough experiences that I know it's okay to have friends and then drift apart and that that's just a natural part of life. Yeah. My next one is still in progress for sure. But I am really thankful that I have changed my thinking around my body. End of college, early 20s, a lot of my thought processes around my body were looking at it and thinking about the things that were wrong with it Mm. and that I wanted to change about it. Mm -hmm. And in large part, because this is happening in social media world and more in the public sphere that many more people are being called to accept their bodies and respect their bodies regardless of their shape, their size, what they look like, how able they are, etc. That I am really working on moving toward that with my body. And I think I get there most of the time mm-hmm. in terms of not feeling like I need to do a whole lot of changing, not feeling like I need to achieve something Mm -hmm. body-wise, but really just being. And it's not easy. And like I said, I am not perfect at this, but I am so glad I've made progress on that since my 20s. Yeah, me too. Both that you have and that you've inspired me to do the work around that as well. It's been good to be on that path together. Yes. This one is about how my worldview and understanding of the world has shifted. I think growing up, I really lived in a bubble and didn't have the kind of understanding of systemic racism and sexism and ableism that I do now. And I don't think my work is done. There's still a lot of room for growth. But it's really only in the last decade that that I gained the understanding and vocabulary of what It means that these are systemic problems, where before I think I had accepted a common cultural narrative that racism is about an individual Mm -hmm. and how they think about people of a different race Mm -hmm. as opposed to 
the structures in our society that perpetuate inequality. I think we are all somewhere on that journey of awakening to the ways that the water we've been swimming in doesn't serve every fish equally. Yes. But I love what you said that this is something that we will all continue to work on. Yep. To wrap up this part, I'm going to share a lighter Mm -hmm. thing that has changed about my life. And that is, I really do not love reading YA fiction anymore. And I would say this was my top genre for years, probably 15 years, starting when I was in my teens myself, Mm -hmm. up through a few years ago. In some ways, I feel bummed that I don't enjoy those books as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. But I also wonder if it's similar to my enjoyment of kids who are not mine, is that this Mm -hmm. is just a season that I'm in and that I'll come back around to it. Yeah, I wonder. And that the same feeling of getting lost in a lighter story that moves quickly, I wonder if romance has taken the place for that Mm. for you now as you've moved on from YA and then become more interested in romance and if it's meeting those same reading needs in a different way. Sort of escapist Mm -hmm. fiction. Yeah, that may be true. And I feel like I'm never going to give up romance. So maybe YA fiction is never coming back in my life. (laughs) (laughs) My last one is a little bit lighter as well. I think that I'm less lazy than I used to be. (laughs) It's not that I think I am problematically lazy, but I think I would try to avoid doing certain necessary things earlier in my adulthood that now I just do. And I just know that it has to be done. It's like, okay, well, the trash just has to be taken out. So I'll just go ahead and take care of that. I think part of it is with parenting that there are just so many things that have to get done that I think my mindset around it has changed and that it's so much easier just to do the thing that's annoying and be done with it than it is to have it sit in the back of my mind in my to-do list. Where when I was younger, I feel like I used to just make these small things into this big deal and spent more time avoiding doing them. And mostly at that point, it was really affecting me that (laughs) if I was living alone or even if it was just me and Neil, being two adults in the house is really different than being as a family. And I feel like I have more of that collective mindset in that realm Mm. than when I was younger. It's like, oh, this is just affecting me. And it's like, well, it's really not. So (laughs) that's probably for the best for anyone who lives with me that... (laughs) I now make things happen a little bit more than I think I used to. Nice. Those are the ways that we have changed. How about a way that you haven't changed? I am and have always been very sensitive to other people's emotions, very sensitive to happenings in the world. We've talked about this before, but I'm a highly sensitive person, and that is no different. It has been the same throughout my life. I do think I've gotten a little better at making boundaries Mm -hmm. around stuff. I don't get sucked into bad news in the same way that I used to. But that doesn't mean that when I hear the bad news, I feel it any less. One way I haven't changed is that I feel differently about a lot of topics than I did 10 or 15 years ago, but I still feel just as strongly. There are very few things that I'm neutral on, and once my opinion shifts, then I am very confident that that is the right way to be thinking about issue X. But then if I get new information or something shifts, I'm very willing to change that opinion 
based on new information, but then I'll feel just as strongly about that. (laughs) And that can be a good thing and a bad thing, which actually leads us into our last question for this episode, which is ways that we want to change. And I'd like to become more curious about why other people come to different conclusions than I do. Mm -hmm. I think right now in our culture, things are so divided and it's very easy to only interact with people who think similar to the way that you do and have similar values, which on the one hand, my values are really important to me and that I connect with people who have similar values. But I know other people come by their opinions just as honestly as I do from a different life experience and different perspective. And I'd like to try and stay open to that and open to listening. The thing that I would like to change is that I would like to think less about what other people think of me. Hmm. And I think I'm pretty good at this in situations where I already feel confident, where I already feel like I have my people, where I already can sort of see my place in the world. And so where I have felt this a lot lately is in our move to Birmingham. Hmm. And it's a pretty different culture from where we were in North Carolina. We were in one of the most liberal towns in North Carolina. Most people looked like me and thought like me there. Mm -hmm. And then Birmingham is really different. It's more conservative, but it's also much more diverse Mm -hmm. in terms of race and in terms of what people think. I don't think... I ever saw a Trump anything in Carborough, but there are Trump signs in the neighborhood that I live, which is still a pretty liberal neighborhood. What that has meant is that I am all of a sudden hyper aware of those cultural differences and then wondering in my head if people are seeing things about me, seeing a magnet on Mm. my car, seeing that I don't remove underarm hair from my body, seeing how I talk to my kids. And wondering if they are making judgments about me. Mm-hmm. And probably they are. But I wish that it mattered to me less. That's a real growth place. Yeah. I was surprised to see that you wrote this down because I think of you as somebody who doesn't care what other people think mm. in a way that I'd like to emulate. So it's interesting thinking about how a different place and different circumstances, how that can shift how you're feeling about it. Yeah. It was kind of a surprise to me, too, to be fair. Yeah. It's that same water you're swimming in kind of thing where you're so Mm -hmm. settled and content with where you are that you don't realize the work you have still to do until you get pushed out of your comfort zone in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another growth opportunity. (laughs) Just what we always wanted. Let's end by sharing something we've been eating lately. I have not been cooking new food recently. We have just been eating quesadillas and potatoes and eggs and ramen with eggs on repeat. But (laughs) one thing I have been doing, and this is an area of change in my life, is that I have been drinking more soda. Mm. It was not something I drank growing up. My parents both drank diet soda, and we were not allowed to drink the diet soda Hmm. in their house. My parents didn't think that was good for us and also didn't want us drinking soda because it was expensive. And if we wanted soda, we had to go buy it, Mm. and I didn't care enough to buy soda. And in general, it hasn't been something I crave or really look to. 
But part of my journey with eating has been realizing, I think diet soda tastes disgusting. (laughs) And now I am back to drinking straight Coke. I got the little cans Mm -hmm. that you had recommended. And I just find it to be such a treat. It's not something that I'm having every day, but some days it just sounds so good to have a cold soda. And it's just the perfect amount. It's bringing me a lot of joy. That is what I have been eating. Yum. (laughs) I love those tiny cans. That was a good invention since we were younger. Agreed. What have you been eating? I tried a Navratan Korma from IndianVeggieDelight.com. This is their restaurant-style Navratan Korma. And I have been looking for a vegetable korma like this for months since we moved to Birmingham because we have not found Indian food, as I've mentioned previously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the veggie korma at Mint in Chapel Hill was my very favorite comfort food to have brought to my door via Grubhub. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to recreate that experience, which granted is a high bar. Yes. And so maybe setting myself up for failure. But really what I wanted was something that had heavy cream in it because all the kormas I was seeing had coconut milk, which Mm. I love coconut milk as much as the next person, especially if you buy Mm -hmm. the coconut cream instead because it's really fatty and has a great mouthfeel. But I wanted something that had actual heavy cream. And I found this and I was like, oh, this looks really great. So I tried it and I had the stuff to try it for a while, but I finally tried it on Saturday. And it's a good thing I did it on a Saturday because it took a million years <laughs> to chop all the stuff and do all the things. You make an onion paste with cashews in it in the blender. Then you cook that to brown it. Okay. And take the raw taste out of the onions. Then you put all the vegetables in the instant pot with some water and then you cook the vegetables. And you're supposed to be able to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I had too many vegetables or what. But For one thing, the onion paste took forever to brown. I ended up dumping it out of the Instant Pot and taking it off the saute, putting it in a real Mm -hmm. frying pan so that I could put it on the biggest burner on my stove (laughs) and just (laughs) stir it till it got really cooked. And you know, onions always take longer than they say they will in recipes, I feel like. Agreed. So this was no exception to that. Then I put it back in the Instant Pot, added the water, added the veggies, did the allotted time. Half the vegetables were still raw. Maybe it was too many vegetables. Hmm. I don't know what happened. We just had to take out the raw potatoes like as we were eating. <laughs> Poor Pepper can't really chew raw potatoes. And so he would put one in his mouth and be like, eh. <laughs> but that said, I'm going to try again because the flavors were very close. I think maybe next time I'm going to try it on the stove shop so I can cook the vegetables to the doneness that is my preference and not rely on question mark instant pot pressurization slash timing. Yes. But I have high hopes that I may get there eventually. And the heavy cream was amazing as expected. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And it does feel like it really has to be excellent to meet the same standard because if it's being delivered to your door, it already gets those extra points of ease. So... I look forward to hearing about take number two. Great. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. 
You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Yeah, I think, yeah. Go ahead. Give it another shot. I'm sorry. I'll I'll stop distracting you. Take two. I don't know. Is that too intense? No, I liked it. (laughs) Is that too intense? (laughs) Hashtag Enneagram 8. We'd love to hear from you. Until next... Oh, sorry. I'm just keep reading. I'm just (laughs) Just going to do it all myself. (laughs) Continue. I was like, what is happening?